What's Good Friends List episode 124 of the Game Pass Gamecast coming at you. Playground Games has been on quite the roll for years now with their successful run of Forza Horizon releases and its newest project, Forza Horizon 5, is continuing the trend. But only this time, the arcade slash sim racing mashup is shattering expectations. So this week, we discuss how Playground Games has managed to not only make one of the highest reviewed games of the year, but also set a record for the most played Xbox Game Studios title at its release. Is Forza finally getting its deserved recognition? What does this mean for perception of the upcoming Fable reboot from Playground Games? We hit the track to find out. Also, Bethesda is committed to single-player experiences long-term. It's Skyrim's 10th anniversary and much, much more coming up on the newest jam-packed episode of the Game Pass Gamecast. <laughs> now the fun begins. Welcome back to another episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and of course, PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, review us, all that jazz that I tell you every week to go and do, you know, because it really does help us out, so yeah. I'm going to pull pull the heartstrings a little. Please, sir, please help us out <laughs> and follow One us on. One easily like goes a long way, sir. <laughs> May I have some more, sir? More? <laughs> and follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games like and our dope giveaways. I'm your host as always, Travis White, a.k.a. Travelis on most internet platforms. Joining me as always, my partner in crime, Mike P-Pack. Mike, what's good? What's going on? And I'm gonna I'm gonna pause on the what you've been playing because okay. I didn't I I'm just gonna try to like I'm just fucking force feeding it in on this one. I'm just shoving it right in here because it kind of dropped. Toss? What's that? Soft toss? Or are you just throwing it down my throat? I'm just kind of like not throwing it down your throat. I'm just like you know what? I'm shoving this in here right here because it happened after I already made the runner show and I was like we obviously need to talk about it. So whatever, it's just going in right here. Um, I want to get your thoughts on the. We got 11 new minutes or 11 minutes of new footage for Halo Infinite's campaign today. Uh, on Thursday, we're recording this. So yesterday, if you're listening to this day, it drops. Um, but yeah, IGN with their IGN first coverage got a really big deep dive on Halo Infinite's campaign uh, a couple days ago. I think Miranda said she played like four hours of the campaign or something like that. Uh, finally got to see a lot of the kind of nitty gritty of the campaign. Um, outside of what we saw previously last year before the game was delayed. Um, so I want to kind of get your thoughts on it. It's like really, I don't want to say, I don't want to say Far Cry approach because I think this has a lot more detail and a lot more, I don't want to say depth, but I don't think it's going to, I don't think there's just going to be map markers to be map markers kind of thing like we sometimes find in Far Cry games, but very similar to that kind of style of open world. Um, so I kind of want to get your thoughts on that. What do you what do you think of the new footage we saw that I sent over to you guys this morning? And like, what do you kind of 
Are you think? Do you think this is the kind of actual evolution of Halo Infinite or Halo Infinite? Of course, it's Halo Infinite, but the actual evolution of Halo that I think a lot of people have been wanting to see from that really base trilogy feel, kind of molding old and new. Yeah, I mean, it. I'm pretty pleased with what it the, the way it looks, and I think you know you consider it a a mistake and a slip up. But, I mean, really, you're looking at, you know, quite an evolution when it comes to this game also compared to what we saw previous before it was delayed. You saw a game that was relatively uh, uninteresting when it came, you know, to the eye test, uh, a very bland, boring game. And, you know, you saw them you know, kind of take it back into the uh, take it back into the workshop uh, put it back in the oven, let it bake a little bit longer because it obviously wasn't done. And now you're starting to see the fruits of their labor. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, it seems like, again, it's one of those things where we talked about Age of Empires 4 a little bit and what I thought of it. And that, this was like me, you and Adam talked about it before I actually played it because some of the Age of Empires 2 professional players got it beforehand. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those games that I felt was, like, kind of hard to judge from home, like, without actually getting my hands on it. Mm -hmm. um, and then once I got my hands on it, it all made sense. Like, the reason why I felt the way I did about Age of Empires 4, it all, like, clicked. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is why it felt like this. Not that it was a bad game, but it's really hard to sometimes get the feel for some of these things, like, when you don't actually get to play it. So... From what I see myself, it looks like it's going to be a pretty good game, and it looks like it's what people have been clamoring for as far as it still seems like you're going to have a centralized goal, mm -hmm. but the way you go about it is going to be completely up to you, and I'm here for that. Like I'm here for a more linear experience that still gives you the freedom to kind of make your own decision. Like I'm, I'm completely cool with that. And I think that that's a really good decision to make. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm very pleased with the visuals and I'm even pleased a little bit with the gameplay. I know from a competitive standpoint, I might've been critical of some of the decisions that they were making, mm -hmm. but I can say now after seeing it in action in the actual campaign, I'm pretty pleased with, you know, the decisions they made for being able to throw like the fusion coils at people and stuff. Now, I mean, we'll see, you know, how that plays into competitive play, if it's a part of that at all, if it's a part of the matchmaking experience. Obviously, that'll be a little interesting, and we'll see how that goes. But overall, uh, I'm very pleased with the way the way the campaign turned out in this, like, 11-minute teaser. Mm -hmm. And I'm very uh, pleased with the gameplay overall. I mean, it's, it's not, like, again, it's not as bad as the multiplayer one they released. And... I'm not the only person that was like, what the fuck? Who do they hire or who did they have play this on multiplayer? Because it's so bad. Mm -hmm. Like I don't understand how they were like, yeah, this guy's going to play because it was that bad. Um, this was like at least reasonable gameplay. So I got a little bit of a better idea, but still um, story wise, I'm, I'm pretty excited for it, but I will, I will say that, you know, without playing, being able to play, cooperatively yeah i don't know if it's something that i'll be diving into until that change is made so i'm hoping i can stay spoiler free until that point and we'll see if that's possible i doubt it but um overall you know i i think they did a very good job and um i'm excited to actually get my hands on it here and um see it firsthand and see what decisions what choices i make and how they might differ, differ from other people yeah yeah and we're not gonna have to wait too long it really it's only a little over three weeks, something like that. So 
Uh, we're, we're coming right up to it, man. Um, no, I, and I agree a lot with that. A lot of things, because I worried about whenever I heard, and this is no... This is no knock to anybody who likes Far Cry, but I love a good open world Ubisoft game sometimes where I just shut my brain off and I go in and I get a big ass checklist in front of me and I just go through and I check shit mm-hmm. off. Like there is something therapeutic about that at times. So I don't I don't have an issue with that. Um, but I thought I thought Miranda, uh, Miranda Sanchez over at IGN, her preview that she did of this, um, one of the quotes that I thought was really, really good from it that I pulled was folks don't give just get to give the master chief a fetch quest and very mm-hmm. much so in the sense of this character. And it feels like three, four, three, at least from what we've seen from the, you know, few things in campaign that we've seen the, especially since we've saw Halo infinite reemerge again after it's delay uh, and everything that we've seen from the new gameplay footage and whatnot, this definitely seems like they're starting to kind of, get that a little bit where it seems like it seems like two before that I think a lot of people were and and to a degree rightfully so I've always said that like I, I don't want to stand in the way of developers and their vision and this and that and whatnot but I think at times 343 tried to differentiate themselves from Bungie a little too much um mm-hmm. obviously to the detriment of the franchise but it never was, you know, I, I could see that because there are a ton of long term bungee devs who are still at three, four, who are at now at three, four, three for years now, 10 plus years. So, you know, it it's one of those things that I get it, but it was always much more like seeing this now. I think we're finally seeing the full realization of it's OK to kind of mesh the two. It's okay Mm -hmm. to take, hey, let's modernize some of the things. Hey, let's bring in. And I'm somebody who prefers, if given the opportunity, the traditional movement of the original trilogy of Halo games. I don't necessarily like advanced movement that much. I I prefer a game like Counter-Strike or, you know, original Halo or even just something like, you know, I'm going through one of the games I've been replaying just because I fucking adore and I play like once a year through uh, is Doom 2016. And like, I love that feeling of I'm just going at it. This is the speed that I go at and whatnot. I don't have to worry about running out of breath. I don't have to worry about like I've always it's even keel across the board. I love that feel of it. But at the same time, too, I know that every fucking first person shooter now needs to have those things or at a triple A level, that's what most people want. So they're going to evolve that to it. And I I personally thought that it felt really good. The last uh, the last test play weekend that we had with uh, Halo Infinite, I thought it felt really good. It was in a really good spot. But overall, though, the big thing that it did make me feel was this is a natural evolution of Halo, uh, where mm-hmm. I wanted to see Halo go as from a campaign, somebody who has adored the campaign since I first played them as a kid, like, I have so many fond memories of that, and I felt, I don't want to say the nostalgia, but I felt the heartstrings of Halo while watching this. I felt like this is something I would see, you know, the Master Chief in this kind of situation, not necessarily, you know, I don't want to say, like, I don't want to say, like, the Forerunner shit was bad because, I mean, the Forerunners are going to be involved in this game and in terms of their lineage and stuff like that, but this feels like there's more depth to it. This feels like there's more purpose. This feels like this is a game that 
really, I think, needs to be made for this franchise. And if it means, hey, we're going to kind of crack the door or bust the door wide open a little bit and make this a much more open world game or open world approach uh, or more sandbox experience, um, you know, really akin to the massive levels that we saw in Halo CE, like this feels like a natural evolution of that. This feels like really, to me, a sequel to Halo CE more than any other Halo. Um, from everything I've seen from a campaign standpoint, that is. Um, so I'm really excited for this. Uh, the one thing, the one downfall I did kind of not like to hear too much was I was hoping this would be more, this would be more of a jumping in point for new fans because we're going to have a lot of new people playing Halo with this, um, just because of where Halo's been at for the past, you know, handful of years. It hasn't necessarily been the most popular shooter out there. I was hoping this would be the God of War situation that we got in 2018 with, obviously, uh, Sony Santa Monica's God of War in 2018, where this was, you didn't need to play any of the previous Halo games. You could jump in and, yeah, if you did, you're going to be rewarded with some side content and different things like that and, you know, different uh, stories that you're going to get. But, man, I really wanted to see that, hey, you don't need that, though. You're going to have an incredible experience right out the gate with it. And I'm sure people will, but it very much still is in line with what's going on in the Halo universe after Halo 5. So I was kind of disappointed with that, but, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, it's only going to benefit, you know, us who have played Halo 1, 2, 3, 4, you know, maybe 5 if you played it, and the people who, have, you know, are big RTS fans and played Halo Wars, both 1 and 2, the, the main antagonists within this game are, the Banished are directly from Halo Wars 2. So it's it's going to benefit the long-term fans, even greater, but I wanted it more fleshed open for that. I want more fans to come in. But Grant, this is previews. You know, this seems like it's going to be a much longer game than what we traditionally have seen from Halo games, where they're, you know, you can get in and out. One, if you speedrun, you can get in and out in a handful of a couple hours. But if you're sitting down and playing this, you know, in a natural way, you know, you're spending eight to ten hours in it, probably playing it. This seems like it might be around double that. Um, who knows though? Uh, but I'm really excited to kind of jump into it. We're very close now at this point. I, I don't think I'll be able to wait, but I, I'm i very disappointed that we're not getting it, obviously, co-op and launch like you, uh, because that is one of the things I adore about Halo is its co-op campaign. But, you know, what can you do? We'll, we'll get it eventually. We'll be able to play through it eventually. But I'm I'm just very excited to jump into this game, too. But Anyways, Mike, let's get in real quick to what we've been playing. Uh, we'll touch on it briefly, just since I had to get that in there. I wanted to make sure we talked about it because it came in. It was coming in hot. But um, on my end, real quick, uh, what I've been playing, uh, like I said, I've been replaying Doom. Uh, I don't know why. I just had this feeling of like, I think it's time for like my yearly playthrough of Doom 2016. Um, love Doom Eternal. Don't get me wrong, because I'm going to replay that, too. Um, but there's something about 2016 that I think is really to me, resonates much more than... I think it's a much more concise and much more focused game than Doom Eternal, where Doom Eternal is much more open, it's much more expansive, and it improves upon everything that was there in terms of mechanics and things like that. Like, it involves all of those. But to me, I think... I personally felt like 2016 is the most streamlined and, like, not many games know when the one thing about that I hate with some games is I find a lot of games exceptional, but even a lot of the ex exceptional games could have cut probably, you know, 
10 to 20% out and be an even tighter, perfect package. So that's why a lot of people, you've seen a lot of people nowadays with movies, they're like, man, it's a nice, crisp, like 90 minutes, like in and out, focused, concise, like, and that's where I really think Doom 2016 fits in at. And it's a reason why I adore it, because if I want to plow through it, I could do it in four or five hours. I could do it in one night if I really want to try. But if I want to sit there and soak it in like I am kind of now, like, I can play it for, you know, it'll be a 10 hour or so, you know, double the time to get in and play it. But, you know, I adore it nonetheless, like both of them, nonetheless, I think it's in the best position they've quite frankly, probably ever been in, in terms of popularity outside of, you know, the first doom coming onto the scene. But really, I think they're in the best position they've possibly ever been in right now. And with the new Microsoft deal and everything like that, it's just only going to get better. But um, besides that, uh, Molly and I have been jumping in playing, uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. That's kind of our game that we've been going through. Uh, granted, I played that 100% at release. It was my game of the year in 2019 on the show. Um, so I am very, very familiar with it. Um, so I'm excited for her to get to check that out because it's a Star Wars game she actually seems semi-interested in. So um, I can't recommend that game enough, especially too with now all of the Souls fans who are coming out and being like, hey man, you know, like, I'm really excited for Elden Ring. That style of gameplay is in this. So if you're looking for something that you may not have tried that is kind of within the realm of a Souls-like combat, like, it's right there. Try that out. It's on Game Pass. It's fucking fantastic. So, uh, Mike, what have you been playing? I know you mentioned AoE 4, but anything else you've been playing before we kind of head into button mashing and get the show started? Um, Not necessarily. I've been playing a little bit of Halo and a little bit of uh, still playing some D2R. Um, but outside of that, um, nothing really new. Um, did play, did play a little bit of, uh, um, we, I guess we played Bigfoot a few weeks ago. We already talked about that. Um, so yeah, I mean, nothing really super new as far as gameplay for me. Um, just pretty much just played, uh, some D2R, uh, most recently. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of where I, in terms of games that I want us to play, like, I still have yet to touch like D2R. Like, I don't know why. Like, I've been like, yes, I need to play that. And then I'll get distracted by 10 other games. And I'm like, no, I need to come back to that. Like, um, but it's a game that I kind of want to like get in it. I want to do some like co-op with you guys and whatnot. But it's on my list. But I we do need to grant. I don't think we played anything this week together. So we need to figure out and play some games together. But I would like to get back into Faz a little bit, but also would like to play a couple different things. I also have been playing like, I don't know why, but I've been having that Battle Royale like itch. And I think it's just because like Vanguard just launched. And I'm like, oh, yeah, new zombies, new multiplayer with that. Like, it'll be something to I'll pick it up on Black Friday and, you know, kind of thing. But, um, you know, maybe I'm having that itch and why I'm jumping into Warzone here and there just to like have that feel of like, OK, I need something that is an in and out shooter arena style shooter, like and especially Battle Royale kind of fits that right now with the quick matches that they could be um but yeah i don't know why it's just like i've been having that weird like almost like you know how you hear women talk about when they're pregnant like i don't know why i'm craving this but i am like i want pickles mm -hmm. at four in the morning like you know kind of thing kind of like that a little bit obviously just not with the whole having children thing because that's clearly much more much more difficult you know <laughs> because if my wife heard me say that I would probably get my ass beat. She'd be like, oh, you're comparing that to it. Okay, well, yeah, cool. Um, anyways, though, Mike, let's head into 
button mash and get the show kicked off here. If you're new to the show, button mash is where we go over our quick hit news for the week to get you set up before we head into our big topics for this week. So, kicking off button mash, we got to start with, like I was saying before, From Software, baby. Elden Ring's right around the corner, but From Software will let players try out Elden Ring for the first time in a series of closed networks tests starting on November 12th. That's when you hear the show go live. That's it. It's out. And if you were luckily chosen, there you go. Codes for the test are making their way out to people now, but some are already scalping their access codes on eBay, Mike, for hundreds of dollars. As always, scalpers will try and find the maximum price for every item, but according to eBay's sold and completed sales pages, there are some who ended up buying an Elden Ring closed network test codes for hundreds of dollars. One code for the PS5 is listed as having sold on November 10th for $399, while most other sold listing ranges as high as $200 to a low of $33. Also, too, on top of that with Elden Ring, Bandai Namco has said that Elden Ring players can expect to see the game run at up to 60 frames per second on next-gen consoles, or new-gen consoles, I guess, if you want to call them, and PC when it launches in February. The publisher confirms some of the game's performance features on the Elden Ring website. Perhaps to the disappointment of some fans, the game's frame rate on PC won't be uncapped at launch and instead will be limited to 60 frames per second. According to the publisher, new generation consoles will also be able to reach up to 60 frames per second, though that does come with a small caveat. In order to push the PS5 and Xbox Series S and X towards that figure, Bandai Namco has indicated players may need to run the game in performance mode, a feature that will adjust the game's screen resolution and load balancer to approach higher frame rates. The Dunk, a third-person sci-fi adventure with shades of Luigi's Mansion and Super Mario Sunshine, will come to Xbox and PC on December 16th. The game will also launch into Game Pass. The release date was announced during uh, yesterday's Thunderful, Thunderful World event. Set on an, um, on an alien world covered in the titular gunk, you'll follow the story of space haulers Ray, uh, Ranny and Bex, who are faced with the dilemma of scavenging a beleaguered planet and making the decision whether to leave for cash or stay and try to help. So this is from the publisher developer of the SteamWorld Dig series. So. That's a game that I've talked about a lot, or a game series I've talked about a lot. Uh, also, both of them were free the other day during all of this, and you know your boy will buy that game like fucking six different times. So definitely go check those out if you're interested. But yeah, keep an eye on the gun. That was shown off during the, I believe, I think, I can't remember if it was the Xbox Game Showcase or if it was the first viewing of like Series X footage or whatever, that May conference that everyone got pissed at. So I can't remember if that was it or not, but it was. it's been shown in there because it's coming to Game Pass. So keep an eye out for that. The anime crossover fighting game Jump Force will be delisted from digital storefronts in American territories on February 7, 2022. The game's online servers will go offline several months later on August 24, 2022. Bandai Namco has announced that all the content related to uh, Jump Force will be made unavailable for purchase next year, including all DLC, including the Jump Force character packs 1 through 14, Jump Force character pack pass 1 and 2, and its in-game currency JF medals. When the servers shut down on August 24th, various features will go down with it. Players will not be able to log into the multiplayer lobbies, participate in online events and ranked matches, access clan functions, view the notice boards or leaderboards, and accept rewards from the reward counter. Additionally, the in-game store will no longer function. The premium shop will go offline a little earlier on August 1st, 2022, but if you own the game, like most things that get delisted, you can still download it 
play offline. You could still, if you have the disc, you can pop it in and still play it. This is why game preservation is important, in my opinion, because you have a lot of licensed properties like this. Dragon Ball, uh, One Piece, uh, Naruto, all of that that's, you know, part of showing. Um, this is clearly a licensing thing. That's, and I'm not totally into all that stuff or in the know with, you know, that with the manga stuff and whatnot like that i sound like a boomer saying that um but i'm not the biggest anime person in the world uh but at the same time though i know that usually when this shit happens it is licensing so it's really important to preserve games and for these reasons right here and that's maybe why i still kind of hang on a little bit to you know my physical media but whatever if you can buy the game go buy the game just for preservation sake it's like probably like 10 bucks Anyways, though, Turtle Rock Studios, Mike, the developer behind Black, Back for Blood, of course, the game that we've been playing a lot too, has said that it has fixed an issue in the game that has been causing special zombies to spawn frequently during runs that the developers intended. If you play, uh, if you play Back for Blood, then you might have noticed that at times it can get a little hectic. This is especially true when playing some of the later levels of the campaign on higher difficulty settings. It can often feel like the game's special written, that's the Back for Blood's name for the undead, that is, spawn at overwhelming rates. As it turns out, Turtle Rock Studios has confirmed that this isn't intentional, but instead as a result of a bug that's caused special enemies to overspawn during runs. The studio addressed the issues during its November 2021 developer update. Quote, we found an issue with special, uh, with specials would frequently duplicate their spawn cards, compounding as players progress through levels, reads the update. This would, uh, this would often result in an unfair amount of special overwhelming cleaner, uh, overwhelming cleaner teams. So, but they are fixing it. I believe they've updated it already. So now if you're playing it, it should be a little more even keel, hopefully. Patrick Wren, senior, senior, uh, former senior multiplayer designer on Halo Infinite, has joined Respawn Entertainment to work on a Star Wars game. Revealing his new role on Twitter, Wren said, quote, I am happy to announce today that it is my first day on the Jedi team as a senior encounter designer. The Jedi team would suggest Wren is working on the sequel to Jedi Fallen Order, which EA previously confirmed to be the first game in a new franchise. Wren also notes that he's excited, quote, excited to be back on Star Wars, referring to his uh, time working on Star Wars First Assault, a game that was in development at LucasArts in 2013, but was canceled as part of the Disney acquisition and of the Star Wars brand. Among Us just got one of its biggest updates yet, adding new roles and abilities, as well as sending the stage for players to earn new and exclusive cosmetics. As revealed in a direct-style, quote, emergency meeting presentation, Among Us developer Inner Sloth revealed a massive new roles in uh, Cosmic Cube update that's now available. The biggest addition with the update is four brand new roles, which give players unique abilities that add new layers to the core murder mechanics. Check out the rundown below, which includes scientists. The scientists can access a portable access a portable vitals panel uh, to check the status of the crew. The portable vitals panel has to be charged, so they will receive unique tasks to refill the battery. Engineer, the engineer can use vents to move around quicker and also catch venting imposters in the act. However, engineers can't stay in vents forever. Guardian Angel, which is the ghost of the first dead crewmate who can temporarily shield and protect other living crewmates. If timed properly, the Guardian Angel can prevent imposters from killing a victim. And last, Shape Shifter. The imposter role, uh, imposter role lets a player change their appearance and disguise themselves as one of the other crewmates. If done properly, the Shape Shifter can frame another crewmate for a crime they didn't commit, but the disguise doesn't last forever. 
And finally, Mike, Epic has removed the Travis Scott Out West Dance Emote from Fortnite following the rap star's deadly Astro World concert in Houston, Texas, which killed eight people. Epic went so far as to temporarily disable the Fortnite item shot uh, item shots daily or section, which rotates skins and other cosmetics and emotes on a regular basis. It's believed that Scott's emote was meant to include uh, be included in the latest update. The official Fortnite status uh, Twitter account later confirmed that the daily selections removal, but did not mention Scott or his emote by name. So, Mike, after running through all that in Button Mash, anything you want to run back before we head into our big topics for this week? Obviously, um, you know, it goes without saying, just need to kind of think and uh, gives our, give our T's and P's, thoughts and prayers, whatever you, whatever your speed is um, for thinking about those who uh, unfortunately lost their life at Astroworld. Um, obviously, Travis Scott's a stooge and a clown. And uh, Yeah, I was going to say, I, I we're not giving thoughts and prayers to him because he clearly, nah, if you him. see all the video evidence, he clearly knew what was going on and wanted to continue it. Also, too, though, but... Don't worry, he stopped the show previously before when he went crowd surfing and someone tried to steal his shoe and then he beat the shit out of people, or the kid, and told uh, fans to, like, go and beat his ass. So, you know what? Great human being. Great human being. Yeah, obviously, um, some of these people that get get fame um, obviously aren't, aren't good individuals. Yeah. Um, that's kind of apparent and people know that, but just wanted to give my thoughts and prayers out to those who uh, unfortunately Absolutely. lost their life at a... Uh, music festival in that uh in that way that they did um obviously a horrible thing and obviously Fortnite doing the right thing i know in 2020 it was a huge wave of uh a huge way a huge focus of society to kind of start removing people's names and likenesses off of certain things for uh you know sometimes things like this had happened in the past and people were concerned about you know the backlash of having something named after someone who was a total scumbag. Um, and then sometimes it was just, you know, getting rid of things that were named after people kind of to be safe because, uh, you know, cancel culture and those types of things running rampant. Uh, people sometimes are just trying to get ahead of the curve and make sure that those types of things didn't happen to their establishment or their business. So, um, you know, whether or not you agree with any of that, I think this is one that, is definitely justified regardless of what side you're on. Um, and other than that, um, Among Us giving out some some updates is kind of cool just because, you know, um, obviously the game has kind of died off. Um, I would say, I'd be, you know, safe to say that the game's kind of dead. Um, and that's a game that 100%, unfortunately, for the developers of the game, who I thought did a fantastic job, it's 100% dependent on your individual lobby and how fun it can be and that's one of the things that can make it a little tough is it doesn't necessarily matter if the game is super fun because it relies on everybody's like everybody playing and you know maybe not taking it super serious but taking it somewhat serious and unfortunately sometimes whenever you're relying on people for things of that nature they can kind of let you down so uh kudos to them for still working on the game obviously they had a a cult hit and people will remember their time with this game you know i would say probably very fondly um but for uh but for all intents and purposes um i haven't heard much about that game in a very long time so good on them for making that change and other than those two things um i would just like to talk about um um 
Oh, Turtle Rock Studios uh, and their gaffe. This is something that, I mean, you kind of wonder how bugs like this make their way into the game. And again, if you don't really notice notice those things because your quality uh, assurance team, like your QA teams and those things, they might miss something like this because they might not be playing through on a hard enough difficulty or whatever the case may be. We've, you know, I've gone at length and gotten on Soapbox about properly vetting and testing your games. And I'm not saying that this is one of those cases that they didn't properly vet or test their game. But I mean, obviously these types of things happen and you're not really you don't see it or maybe you don't even really pay attention to it all that much when you're testing the game. Mm -hmm. So for them to, you know, have a somewhat quick response, uh, you know, to this bug, uh, is good to see. And, you know, for how great of a game that they released, you know, and how much better it was from beta to the full release, which people would normally be like, well, you know, that's just what you should expect that the game's going to be a lot different. I mean, there's times where that hasn't been the case. Uh, the Halo 5 beta is one of them where I felt like we played a pretty late build with that game. Um, so that's not always something that I rely on and saying like, oh, well, the beta is going to be much different. And this is a case where I do feel like the beta was poorly optimized. It didn't play as well. And I was a little worried for the game. But now, obviously, you know, I think they've done a fantastic job at um, producing a quality game. And, you know, it's not without needing some little bug fixes or, or fixes here and there. Um, but, you know, their relentless pursuit of perfecting this game is is promising. Uh -huh. um, and the rate at which they're producing these updates is, is pretty promising because, again, this is something that they could have just mailed in and said, screw it, like, we have the game out, we've gotten our money's worth, um, people have bought it, we'll get to it when we get to it. And, mm -hmm. you know, they haven't had that um, that sentiment and they haven't just mailed it in. They've been working hard uh, behind the scenes to make sure they fix all these things. So kudos to Total Rock. And uh, I can't wait to see what they come out with. I know they just released a, um, like, a, a map or a guide for what to expect content-wise going forward. And I'm super excited to get the uh, get my hands on their first expansion in 2022 and new decks and things of that nature. I mean, that we talked about that a little bit like the like last week or two weeks ago mm -hmm. was how are these decks going to introduce a new experience to a game like this? And I was on the side of like, I think it makes a huge difference in the gameplay because if you don't, if you don't believe me and you have decks unlocked and you have all these cards unlocked, play through a campaign without it. And you'll see just how different the game really is or how much harder or whatever the case may be. And I think that in hindsight, when I, I said back then that I think the decks are a great um, implementation and I think that it will change the game up for each individual person. And I'm being proven right by that because that's one of their main focuses is releasing these new decks. And that is one of the beautiful things about a game like this. But it's also a concern for some people, I'm sure, because every time they release a new god in or a new champion in any MOBA, they're completely fucking broken because they want people to buy them. They want people to spend the money on them. And it's like, I just hope that these decks don't completely unbalance the game. I hope that, you know, they're done tastefully and they're done with proper balance before they're even released. But if they're not, which would be kind of, you know, sad and it would be a, a bummer if that was the case, I will say that, you know, this team's working hard to make sure that if that, if that were the case that they will, you know, work hard to 
release an update to fix or at least balance it. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And and that's kind of where I'm at too. Like I'm just, I'm hoping there's not, it's just not complete chaos at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's a rhyme to the reason. And I definitely think there will be. So I'm excited for the future of the game. I'm, I'm excited to get back into it and start playing it more again. But um, also too, before we head in, I should have said at the top of the show, but the big anniversary is the 10th anniversary of oh. Skyrim. And also too, I just, one thing I want to point out and, and, I know we we've been very like critical of the game in the past. I still love the game. I still have a lot of fun feelings for the game. I've enjoyed it immensely. Uh, the handful of times I've played through it. Um, obviously, it's not my favorite Elder Scrolls game, but uh, if it wasn't for this game, uh, a lot of people wouldn't be introduced to RPGs and have RPGs at this pinnacle of, uh, you know, immersion in gameplay uh, in 2021. So, 10 years later, congrats to Skyrim, congrats to Bethesda Game Studios and everyone who worked on it. But the one thing I do want to point out from the great Lucy James from over at GameSpot posted a great Twitter thread. Happy 10th anniversary, not only Skyrim, but the Skyrim launch party, the event with the most puzzling guest list I've ever seen. And Mike, I just want to name a couple of the people there. Christina Aguilera. All right. Lauren Conrad, the girl from the hills in Laguna Beach. You remember her? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Linda Carter. <laughs> Dane Cook, (laughs) the All-American Rejects. (laughs) Okay, Okay, before you go on, do you think that half these people even knew what the fuck this was? I don't fucking know. There's no way, right? No. Uh, Following that up, Jane's Addiction. Yes, Jane's Addiction. And they did play, actually, at the event. Michael Rosenbaum, who played Lex Luthor in uh, Smallville back in the day. And last but not least, John Cho. (laughs) aka harold from harold and kumar all right (laughs) so yeah congrats to skyrim congrats to a hell of a party supposedly christina aguilera pittsburgh girl herself supposedly is a big gamer so that may actually be legit so there you go i know lc and fucking the other (laughs) other oh that's kind of wait it wasn't chris and cavallari right no, it was uh no 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 it was Lauren Conrad. It was Lauren Conrad, but who was the other girl too that was just like random like uh hmm. from the she... hills? Nah, pull back up here. Let me just look at the list really quickly. Um Oh no, I don't have the list on my run of show. Here, here, to... here. Yeah, it was kind of a last minute thing it pulled up here. I'll I'll drop it in our Discord real quick. It's it's incredible. Um uh, da, 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 da. Okay. I just put it in uh just general. Um, All right, let me open this up really quickly. Because it's great. All the pictures with like the Skyrim like media backdrop, like it's great. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I don't know why I was thinking of. Uh, I was thinking of someone other than Lauren Conrad. Mm. Um, but the only reason why Kristen Cavallari came up is because like. The drama with her and Smoke and Jay Cutler. I don't know if you've ever seen yes, the videos yes, of Jay Cutler. Yes. Where he's like smoking cigs and yeah. whatnot. Like <laughs> classic, classic photos that are hilarious. Classic, total classic. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's the only reason why she came to mind at all. Yeah. But yes, yeah, so congrats to Bethesda. Congrats to Skyrim. Congrats to that party, too, because. And uh, I feel like part of our not hatred for Skyrim, because not like neither of us hate the game no by like, any means i still play the, i i am the problem i even though it's not my favorite elder scrolls game i own it just as much as oblivion and Morrowind. like i have it on like yeah. six different fucking consoles in my pc 
Like, yeah, so you are part of the problem. I am. I have. I, feel, I am part of the problem, and I have a problem. I feel like part of the reason why we, um, not so much like, I wouldn't say anything go go as far as like hate it, but it's one of those things where it's kind of nice to like hate on the popular thing that everyone else loves. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying like we're trying to be that way, but like in all reality, I just think that Oblivion gets unfair, unjust hate. And Skyrim gets like never ending praise. And I, I yeah. feel like uh, it's it's really unfair to to the beautiful, the beautiful Oblivion. And that's all the more I'll go on about it, because, you know, you and I will talk about Oblivion forever and ever and ever. And I'm sure the guests or the uh, our listeners are probably ready to not hear about it as much anymore. So uh, <laughs> we'll just go. We'll just go. They're like, uh, oh, we'll fucking go. course he's talking about it. <laughs> anyway. I, I've got to. Yeah, well, naturally. Anyway, so, Mike, let's head into our big topics for this week. So we got to kick it off with credit where credit is due, because it's been a big week in the world of Microsoft and Xbox and specifically Xbox Game Studios and specifically, specifically one of Xbox Studios, primary now in-house development studios, Playground Games, with the launch of Forza, 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 Forza Horizon 5. And it is now officially the biggest launch ever within Xbox Game Studios. So round of applause to our friends over at Playground Games for their huge accomplishment. And it seems like finally we like getting a little come up for uh, or, you know, do do praise for Forza in the limelight right now, because a shit ton of people are playing this game. So Jared Moore over at IGN has a really good write-up. As always, link in the description. Go over there. Check it out. You know the deal. Go and support Jared and all the writers that we pull from here. Xbox boss Phil Spencer has said that Forza Horizon 5 is Xbox Game Studios' biggest launch ever. In a tweet, uh, the studio had revealed the success, successful start for the latest installment of the racing series, stating that it has enjoyed the largest launch day for an Xbox Game Studios title ever. Spencer revealed that Forza Horizon 5 has, just within days, reached 4.5 million players across PC, cloud, and console. That's a lot of fucking people. He also noted that since launch, Forza Horizon 5 has seen a peak concurrent number, uh, has seen a peak concurrent number of players three times higher than that of its predecessor, Forza Horizon 4, a factor that could be down to the growing popularity of Xbox Game Pass. Playground Games' latest venture into the racing franchise takes place in a stunning open-world recreation of Mexico, as well as, in, as well as including a number of picturesque scenic routes and stunning vistas. The game also features a number of vibrant urban, urban areas, and in true Forza Horizon fashion, a multitude of different trains to get to grips with. While Forza Horizon 5 has been popular with fans since release, the game has also gained critical approval too. Critics review uh, reviews on Metacritic currently stand at 91 and 92 on PC and Xbox Series X respectively. In our own Forza Horizon 5 review, we awarded the game a 10 out of 10 stating that the game is, quote, the result of a racing studio at its peak of its craft and the best open world racing game available. While Spencer's original comments state that the company has invested for years in Xbox so that more people can play games, Forza Horizon 5's accessibility options have also been praised for doing the same. Despite already including a number of accessibility features at launch to make the game more inclusive to players around the world, Xbox recently confirmed that there are more to come. A post-launch update for the game is expected to take place uh, that will include an on-screen sign language interpreter with both American Sign Language and British Sign Language as well. So, I'll be honest, Mike. 
and I think this is very fair to say for us in general, um, usually Forza is typically a blind spot for me, and I feel safe saying that for you as well, uh, at least regularly, we should say. So when it comes to, I guess, just Xbox exclusives in general, but if one does pull up for me a bit, it's always the Horizon series of games, you know, kind of having mm -hmm. that mesh of sim and arcade. Uh, that's usually the racing style that I like, uh, and especially to the open world aspect of this game. It's very appealing. I'm pissed that I didn't get a chance to play yet. I haven't installed on both my rig here, my Series X, and my fucking gaming laptop. And I have yet to sit down and fucking play it on any of those. So I would like to play it yeah, on. Yeah, because you know what, listeners? I'm going to give you a little bit inside baseball here. here. I'm going to give you a little bit inside baseball here. I'm chilling last night. He sends our group chat a text. Hey, you know, do you guys want to play something? And, you know, I've always had the sentiment that I'm always on, bro. Like, you don't even have to ask. I'm, I'm around and I'm playing games. And I see this dumbass get on Doom 2016. So it isn't, I haven't had a chance to play it. He's made a conscious decision to not play it. So call this man out and boo this man. But continue. What, what were you about to ask me? From fucking, um, uh, what's the Chappelle's, Chappelle movie? Half-Baked? Uh, where it's just, yeah. <laughs> where Bob, the Bob Saget team just... Boo this man! <laughs> he takes his hat off. Yeah. And he's like, boo! Like all yeah. passionately. Yeah. Yes, that's me to you right now. Have you ever sucked dick for weed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boo this man! <laughs> but yes, no, you're right. I, I've made a conscious decision to play other games right now. But I do want to play it. It's installed. I've made the effort to get it installed and everything. I do want to sit down and actually give it an earnest go. But... Anyways, well, nice though. yeah, exactly. I know how, how just amazing, you know, anyways, though, the quality is there and always has been, but it's nice to see it really come, I think, become fully realized and recognized on a large scale that so many publications are talking about it. So many quote unquote gamers are talking about it. Um, it's, it's starting to get into that just central gaming discussion on a wide scale, you know, widespread, you know, kind of way. Uh, that it really never has before. So, Mike, with Horizon 5 really set to be one of the best-reviewed games this year, not racing, but just in general, best-reviewed games this year, not to mention the most-played Xbox exclusive at launch from Xbox Game Studios in their portfolio. What does this say about the position of Forza overall as a franchise? And really, you know, obviously Horizon as well, but in general, just Forza in general, what does it say about where this franchise is right now. And another thing too, that I've been thinking about, how will the success of Horizon position playground with their next project, which is the reboot of Fable. They're handling the new Fable that is coming out. So, you know, how is perception going to be with that? What's that kind of, does that have any impact on that? Does that impact, you know, what fans are going to be really kind of, you know, modeling their mind after with, when it comes to way that player on games really kind of handles their development. So, where do you think Forza's at right now? And how do you see that impacting the future of this development studio, especially with big projects like Fable coming up? Um, you know, I have always been one that has championed the term, the term Forza, part troll, part because I know that's how it's supposed to be pronounced. But from now on, because it is the most popular, you know, game in, in Xbox Studio history, um, as far as releases, I'm going to go ahead and, and call it Forza. We're reverting back to America. Um, because, you know, I, I'm giving it respect before 
it really it it deserves respect and uh i'm doing it as a troll so from now on <laughs> i'm referring to it again as forza and instead of forza which is the correct pronunciation mm-hmm. but fuck it like it's so popular now it deserves to be called forza um but outside of that now that i'm done like trolling and and whatever um i will say that i think that this speaks volumes for the due diligence and the hard work that the studio has done um and and you know put into their games for a long time now and again like while forza forza might be i have to correct myself and say forza um while forza uh not forza not to be confused with uh the elegant sounding uh forza forza Mm -hmm. um i can't even uh (laughs) i can't fucking take it so serious um you know I, I need to get on track. Uh, this is going off the rails. Uh, oh, my God. My brain is like, it just went to mush. Uh, okay. Forza, the game, mm-hmm. deserves to have all kinds of praise because the development studio has been making these quality games for a very, you know, considerable amount of time. Like, their most recent updates, like the last six, like the last even four or five installments of the Forza series has just been tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they have done such a good job at releasing quality content and they take pride. It's clear that they take pride in producing something that, um, you know, everyone can look at a game like Forza, whether or not you really enjoy racing games. And you can say, well, like that's a pretty quality game. Like I, I enjoy it. And, uh, you know, I have fun playing it. And, whenever you look at the body of work from this studio in general, when they are constantly releasing these quality games, you know, you release one and you know, anyone can find a diamond in the rough. You release two quality games and now all of a sudden it's becoming a trend. And then three is a streak. And, um, you know, at this point, like I said, we're getting the four or five straight games of, of, of pretty solid content. And that to me speaks volumes for the way that this studio puts their games together and the effort that is put into making their games. Mm-hmm. And I think it, I think it's a good sign going forward for the new fable. And it's a good sign for anything they work on in the future, because they are taking it seriously. They're doing their due diligence to release quality games. And that's all anyone can really ask of anyone in today's day and age, as crazy as that is like they aren't, uh, you know, just, mailing it in like halfway done just saying ah fuck it like close enough we'll release it post post uh post launch patches or Mm -hmm. or yeah it might be a little buggy but we'll work on it over time we're gonna release it get our money and then you know we'll we'll work on bugs afterwards like that's just not something that this team is doing with their games Mm -hmm. and uh, kudos to them because it would it's easy for studios to do that you know you see that all the time where games are being released you know half baked or a quarter baked and then afterwards they're getting you know finished and that's just not only is it kind of it's it is laziness by the studios it's also just like ignorance like no matter what re-release people are gonna buy it so fuck it i'm not gonna put the do the due diligence and do the hard work of actually releasing a full game i'll release more stuff later let's just get some uh recuperation our investment now Uh and that's not you know, that's not the, this studio's MO and, you know, they're, they're doing great work and they deserve, you know, the, um, they deserve the, um, focus that they're getting. They deserve the, um, respect and love that this, that this studio is getting. 
Um, and I, I think it'll continue going forward even when they release their new games because they're not just going to all of a sudden change their belief system or anything of that nature. This is part of their core belief system is to release these games in you know the most quality ways that they can. And it's, that's going to continue. They're not just going to wake up one day and say, ah, fuck it, let's just start mailing it in. Um, and, you know, that's promising going forward for their their new releases. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone should be really excited going forward. Uh, what are, what do you think on it? No, I, I totally agree. And that's what I think, you know, it's just... And I don't want to say, like, oh, people never noticed or anything like that. I just think that racing this, games... Racing games... Have, no, 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 go ahead, go ahead. No, like, this... If your statement was about to be that this team and these games have gone under the radar for a long time you're absolutely right that's the Mm -hmm. truth i mean let's just call a spade a spade like how much has this team been on the radar how much has forza uh sorry forza (laughs) how much respect has that game gotten outside of like the niche hardcore group of fans that have always really been there right no you're very you're very right and it's more so to the fact of that it's it's not that I don't think because I think too, and I hope I really do hope this year we really do get to see with how critically beloved and from fans' perspective as well, but especially from a critical standpoint, we really do get to see playground kind of get their comeuppance a little bit and really get the recognition that they probably deserved for a long time now. Um, mm-hmm. Really, when it comes to award season. Um, Granted, we still got, you know, a little bit to go here and there's games that are coming out that, you know, still could potentially run with that. But for the most part, you know, looking at this a 91 and 92 respectively, you know, we'll go off of uh, 92 being the highest on console, too, which sometimes isn't necessarily always the case, you know, especially with high fidelity games such as this one. You know, PC ends up specifically becoming the, you know, go to platform, but it really shows one the ability of playground games to a 91 and a 92 there you're having a fucking fantastic game no matter what but it shows that the commitment to microsoft's game studios to their hardware not just pc not you know or splitting or everything like that the commitment to their hardware in the xbox series x and s and making an optimized experience across the board for everyone but for the longest time we always hear there's so many great racing games, whether it's Gran Turismo over on PlayStation, whether it's, you know, Mario Kart, whether it's this and that, you know, like these great, whether it's arcade sim, whatever. We always hear about, it, especially Forza 2 for years has been receiving, you know, rave reviews in a lot of a lot of regards, but we never see it truly recognized. And it's always if it does, it's hey, it's being in sports and racing. And it's like, OK, well, if you ask me a sport if it's a sports like say there's a sports game that comes out that's you know maybe it isn't a licensed video game but it's you know a sports game that comes out and it just fucking tears the roof off of it is a legitimate 94 where like you get tony you get a tony hawks pro skater you know six or whatever that comes out and is completely what everyone wants we're seeing you know reviews like we saw with Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, like, four and three back in the day where we're getting, like, mid-90s and higher, like, you're not going to give that game, like, that's not going to be in contention of game of the year. 
Like, so that's where I always kind of thought it was weird that racing games would fit into just sports and racing because while yes, it is competition. eh, There's a lot of fucking games that fall into the world of competition alone to you're competing in almost every game you play in some regard. Like, so I always thought it was weird and they didn't get up. They never really truly got the recognition. I think they deserve because of that. Um, And I'm sure in general, they're you know happy to get whatever they get, but you get what I'm saying that it's like, it's a little short-sighted. And so I'm hoping this year after all of the pomp and circumstance we're seeing with this game, all the big PR press and media coverage that we're seeing much more than usual with this game or with this franchise, like I'm hoping this is where we finally see the studio, you know, get the limelight that they probably do deserve because if this is any indication, that's why I was interested in your, what you thought, you know, and I'm glad you touched on it about where this goes with fable and like what this looks like moving forward. And that's going to really be not the true test, but of them, but of what kind of the industry looks at of this genre. And, you know, are we going to see a fable come out and say, it's, you know, what, you know, whatever the, their vision of fable is going to be. There's a reason why, playground was chosen compared to the other 22 23 studios that are in microsoft's portfolio to handle this reboot when you could have had you know hey realistically they own bethesda now they could have you know hey trans now granted this was revealed you know before that but like before the acquisition but point being you got 22 three other studios you had 18 at the time or whatever it was you know, maybe not Bethesda, but hey, you get a uh, compulsion games. You get an Obsidian, Obsidian, the RPG Kings, one of the RPG Kings, I should say, mm-hmm. out there in exile. Like people who are excellent, especially Obsidian, who can craft narratives with open world and RPGs so perfectly. Like, you know, why didn't they go with them? And you look at playground games and you look at what they've done. And like I've said, optimization, polish. More specifically, incredible, especially with the Horizon series that they oversee. Excellent open worlds. I know that's weird to think, oh, a a racing game, it's open world, yada, yada. As somebody who did play a little bit of uh, Forza Horizon 4, the open world that that game has, I mean, it's it's probably better than, you know, 50% of the open worlds that we do run into in terms of depth, depth, purpose, everything you do, not wasting your time. Like, it's, you know... I'm really curious to see how this is going to put, you know, the public perception of that, because if this game comes out, whatever it's going to be, like I said, it could be an MMO. It could be, you know, I don't think it will be, but I've heard rumors that there's going to be a social aspect to it. And who knows if those are true or if we're going to see this come out and it's a traditional RPG or it's a meld uh, action RPG like we've seen in the past Um, could even be like kind of like a God of War type of experience, not maybe to that narrative uh, oomph, but to the fact of, you know, okay, it's it's pseudo open world, but it's more linear and you're, you know, focusing on upgrades. It's more third person action, I guess. But whatever they decide to do, there's a lot of reasons why the quote unquote race, one of the racing studios was chosen to handle this. And it's because we've seen so many times them just knock it out of the fucking park with almost everything they do. And not really, like, not that I'm saying, like, oh, they're not going to, you know, they they felt bad for them and gave them that. No, 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 not at all. They, I'm sure they pitched it to them and 
in turn, you know, I uh, playground pitched it to Microsoft and said, this is our vision for fable. Whenever they're, I'm sure internally talking to different studios in their portfolio that they say, you know, this is our vision for it. Okay, cool. Well, you're great at X, Y, and Z. You go and run with it. I mean, that's why like so many people you hear like with the Marvel license and that how they approach, you know, their IP and instead of having, you know, Disney, instead of having like, okay, we're going to partner with EA and do they're going to handle the Star Wars license. Instead of doing that, they're now, hey, we're going to fit find what, you know, we're going to take pitches and we're going to find studios to work with for certain visions that we just want to work with and see what they can come up with. Um, and it almost feels like Microsoft's starting to do that a little bit with some of their franchises. And so many people for the longest time was like, man, I would love to see like an Iron Man game from 343, kind of like pie in the sky type thing. It'll probably never happen. But point being that it's like so many things that 343 have done great in terms of, you know, maybe it isn't what Halo needed, but are great with movement and, you know, I. Uh, large scale like linear action scenes and set pieces and things like like that would fit really well for that like kind of thing so it's almost to that point that it shouldn't matter what they worked on almost like sony san diego right now for the longest time people were hearing oh they're gonna they're making a new uncharted game sony san diego has been in charge of mlb the show for decades now at this point and there's nothing wrong with that because they're really talented at what they do they're really detailed at what they do. Like the polish of those games is fucking fantastic. There's a there's a reason why these studios have transferable skills and they're not just, oh man, you know, we don't want to be boxed in making maybe a racing game 24-7. Like we don't want to lose these these incredibly talented developers. Hey, let's we can we could be a little flexible. We could do two teams. We can we have the budget behind Microsoft and obviously Sony too talking, but yeah, it's it's such an interesting like situation that's going to happen because I guarantee we're going to hear some people saying, oh, you know, we're going to see some headlines of, you know, when fables coming out or some opinion pieces of like, well, can they shed the, you know, the the namesake of being the racing studio or this and that. And like, that's just horseshit. And, and I, I really, really hope that they don't see that. I have a feeling we're going to hear that and we're going to hear these things was as Fable starts to become, you know, closer and closer to its inevitable launch one day. Like, you know, I just, I really, I'm really glad that they're getting this, this kind of like, they're getting this moment in the sun because they want to have deserved it for so long. And two, I'm glad so many people are starting to get into that. And racing games aren't my forte, but I really am interested in playing this fucking game. Like it looks great. And what if Bungie from... was making a racing game, like, or or what if Bungie wanted to make a? Uh, what if Bungie was making Fable? But people say the same shit, and it's arguable right. that you know the team, the team at Playground has been making games that are just as quality as Bungie. You know, as far as um, polish and things of that nature. Like, I don't I, like. I I get that there's like those weird stigmas, and people think that certain game studios are only good at, at certain things, but like, it's just, I, I want people, you know, I'm just echoing your sentiment that people need to give this a chance because yeah. they don't, they weren't picked accidentally. Like they're not getting this chance just out of the blue. They're getting this chance because they deserve it. Right. Exactly. And that's what you just like to see. That's what you want to see. And I mean, you look at so many different studios that are now starting to, I mean, 
it is very common now in major AAA studios that there are multiple teams. There's, you know, and we're going to kind of talk about it here in a second, but like, you know, Bethesda has, they have, no, granted, Todd's bigger picture is, hey, we have one one giant team, but we have different pockets. And it's the same thing. Everyone views game development different, but, you know, there is this team that is right now, yeah, the majority of people are working on Starfield right now because that game comes out in a fucking year from today. So, you know, the majority of people are playing or working on that game. So, but don't worry, there's still a smaller team, you know, maybe 25% of those people who are handling Elder Scrolls 6 to make sure pre-production goes along with that game. So it fucking eventually comes out, you know? So like, it's, it is not uncommon by any means. I mean, look at Insomniac Games. Insomniac Games released one of the best games of last year in uh, Spider-Man Miles Morales, released one of the best games of this past year in Ratchet & Clank Rift in Time, and is now on pace to not only put out a Spider-Man 2 in 2023, which I can't fucking wait for, but also they're making a fucking Wolverine game, which is going to be completely different from Spider-Man. Like, and I'm just also a fucking nerd who is obsessed with comics. Like, those are very drastically different characters. One is very much light and er er acrobatic, and one is a fucking heavy tank in a way. Sort of kind of like much more i'm sure a much heavier character to play not a tank but much heavier character to play than spider-man and those are completely different combat dynamics so like it's going to be really really interesting like i'm just really curious to see what the reception of this is going or fable is going to be after this to say oh we're gonna have the racing studio do this i'm these things can coexist talent is talent and talent can and skill sets are transferable and just especially too, there's a reason why insomniac was eventually hey you know it'd be great fit a spider-man game them saying marvel going to them saying what property do you want to work with and somebody bringing up spider-man saying yes because you look at sunset overdrive an xbox exclusive you know console exclusive at least like you play that game and then you play spider-man you go oh yeah i get it like Mm -hmm. it's transferable everything talent and skill sets are transferable that you will find so Kudos, you know, big congrats to the team at Playground over there, the Forza Horizon 5 team uh, for everything that they've done and all the comeuppance that they're getting or, you know, finally getting really the pat on the back that has been long overdue and deserved. Um, And the 4.5 million people who are playing that, that's fucking ridiculous for, you know, a game that is somewhat niche. So I'm really excited for the future for them. I'm really intrigued to see what the reception is going to be like now as we move to fable and oh can they have that success with it i'm really curious to just see how this is because i have a feeling how some headlines are going to be written from some people who may not completely are able to wrap their head around game development and just thinking oh yes there are people who do this but (laughs) people do like come out of school who went to school for game development or you know 3d art art in general programming whatever who yeah, they want to make maybe a racing game one day, but they're applying to everything. Like, they're not just like, man, I want to get out, and you know what? All I want to do, the only thing I ever want to do is make a Spider-Man game. Well, okay, well, they got a job offer from Naughty Dog to do The Last of Us or from 343 to work on Halo. They're not going to turn that down. Like, kind of thing. Like, you know, if that's the best fit for them, that's the best fit for them. So, anyways, though, Mike, let's head into our last news article for this week and our last headline. Todd Howard, Bethesda Game Studios, passion is for single-player games. So, 
if you're new to what's going on right now, or this is the first you're hearing about, Todd sat down to do a new interview with Ryan McCaffrey over at IGN with the IGN Unfiltered podcast. Uh, I will link that in the description of the show as well. Go over there. Ryan does a fucking incredible job uh, with the uh, IGN Unfiltered podcast where he brings in some pretty prominent names at times uh, from the uh, development side of games to kind of come in, tell their story, and tell their story about the games that they were in a more relaxed and more open environment um, and laid back, relaxed. It's really, really great. Um, he's, this is Todd is actually the first, second time guest that he's had on there. Uh, his interview in 2018, I think it was, um, that he did with him on IGN Unfiltered, 2018 or 19, one of the two, uh, is really, really, really good. Uh, I suggest going and listening to that too. They're great, kind of brother sister, um, you know things I uh, shows to listen to because it's really interesting to see him transition to Starfield this time uh, in Elder Scrolls 6 even too so uh, definitely go over there check it out link in the description for both of these the Windows Central article that I'm going to read from Samuel Tobert and also IG, uh, Ryan's IGN Unfiltered podcast but let's jump into it Mike Todd Howard creative director at Bethesda Game Studio spoke with IGN as part of the IGN Unfiltered podcast series as part of the interview Howard talked about the studio's history and what it what is to come in the future when asked about the future of Bethesda Game Studios and working on single-player games, Howard responded that solo experiences are, quote, part of who we are. Howard also noted that the team has, quote, dabbled with social elements that aren't necessarily multiplayer games, so it's not impossible these kind of features make their way into future Bethesda Studios titles. Still, Howard makes it clear, Bethesda Game Studios, quote, passion is, for, is in single-player role-playing games. As part of Microsoft's acquisition of ZeniMax Media, Bethesda Game Studios and the rest of Bethesda Softworks are now part of the Xbox family, uh, first-party family. Upcoming science fiction title, Starfield is currently slated to arrive on November 11, 2022, for Xbox Series X, Series S, PC, and Xbox Cloud Gaming. Touching on the success of The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim, Howard noted that it's, quote, far above 30 million copies sold, though he didn't provide a number. Skyrim Anniversary Edition is scheduled to launch on November 11, 2021, with, aka today, go out and grab it, with a free current-gen upgrade for anyone that owns Skyrim Special Edition. Bethesda Game Studios is also working on The Elder Scrolls VI, though the game is years away from release. So, as we said, not only happy anniversary to Skyrim, um, the console side of it, yes, you're able to get a free upgrade. PC side, if you're like me, who has it on, well, primarily if I'm going to play Skyrim, I'm going to play it on my PC. Um, for the special edition, it's a $20 upgrade, I believe. Uh, but a lot of it is just like creator or creation, the uh, creation club content. You're basically getting like greatest hits of all the stuff or all of the community created uh, mods through there. But you could also go on Nexus mod and support those people directly. <laughs> so it's up to you. Um, but uh, Mike, as the industry really continues to evolve and more studios really kind of turn to new ways to keep their IP engaging to fans whether it's live service elements uh multiplayer in general anything like that we see it with so many you know different ip hell i, I talking about ubisoft earlier and assassin's creed like there's so many social elements to that game now but it is primarily a single player game um you know so it's it's really interesting to see this evolution it is still very refreshing to see a large-scale developer once publisher still kind of publishing their own stuff it's it's a kind of joint effort, I guess, with Microsoft. But a large-scale developer like Bethesda Game Studios still show a deep commitment to single-player experiences. So 
while I'm sure Fallout 76's launch played into it a little bit, Mike, do you think it's important to Bethesda to maintain its status as the studio to experience large-scale AAA RPGs? Or, you know, does that not necessarily matter at, you know, at all too much? It, to me, it feels like it does. Um, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but more so of, you know, I think they take pride in being that place that people think of almost in a very... I would say even in a tissue Kleenex kind of fashion, you know, where you think of like, oh, an RPG, you tend to think of, you know, people be like, oh, like Skyrim or like, <laughs> like Elder Scrolls, Fallout, whatever, you know, they tend to be, tend to be that kind of studio that releases those games that are very much. Or if you're from Pittsburgh, it's like ketchup is, you know, well, I mean, ketchup is ketchup, but I mean, if, if you hand me something that's not Heinz, I'm right. Like, like if you hand, from. if the hunts, like ketchup comes near me yeah. it's getting fucking booted <laughs> i'm gonna be i'm gonna be fucking punting in the nfl they're gonna see me <laughs> kick that motherfucker and they're gonna be like by god sign him up <laughs> it'll be like what's his name uh fucking not matt damon who uh fucking marky mark uh mark mark Wahlberg in uh that fucking movie about the guy who played for the eagles oh yeah uh invincible yeah they're gonna find me getting hammered somewhere and like be like oh yeah i saw you kick that fucking hunt's ketchup at the texas roadhouse when they tried to bring it to you <laughs> be like yeah man how would you like to play for the steelers we could use a man like that hinesfield <laughs> anyways though mike um you know so it, it really is kind of to that point or to that degree almost at times where you see so many games and projects and rpgs specifically take from the elder scrolls for so long to a degree in a good way like take these great ideas that we've seen but it's almost like no one's been able to really crack that special sauce of this uh, bethesda game really is very unique every time you play it um and each project they put out very much feels like a bethesda game jank and all like it is very much they're very unique in their presentation and what it feels like to play their rpg game so really i guess like i said do you think it's important for them to maintain that status or have that status or make sure people know that, hey, don't worry, we are going to dip our toe into multiplayer stuff every now and then, social elements, but we're very much still a single player, you know, oriented development studio. Yeah, I think it's something that people might be a little delighted to hear after the Fallout 76 debacle that they had. And I'm not saying that it's not something that they can handle or... Or anything of that nature. I'm not trying to be rude or disrespectful in that manner. I'm just saying that, you know, for all intents and purposes, that game didn't feel like a Bethesda game because it just wasn't quite where you would expect a Bethesda game to be. And there's nothing necessarily wrong to that or wrong with that, that people felt that way. But I'm sure it'll give some people like, you know, I, I would say yourself and myself that are, you know, pretty, pretty diehard Bethesda fans and will give most anything a chance from Bethesda. Um, uh -huh. You know, I think that it's, it's, you know, nice for me to hear. I don't know how you feel about it. Um, there still are some concerns I have and, and, and things of that nature, but for all intents and purposes, it's, it is promising to hear. Um, now with that being said, this is more of, you know, Todd Howard, you know, talking, which Todd Howard loves to talk <laughs> and, you know, for a long time he was backing it up and that's all well and good but we need that to continue we don't need there to be anything that <clears throat> people could say 
you know, Todd Howard promised XYZ and, you know, didn't deliver. Um, not that Bethesda is in danger of becoming one of those studios that people just kind of look down on or anything, but it's just one of those things that I think it would be in the, the best, um, like the best, uh, and everyone's best interest if Bethesda had a little bit more, not credence, but if they, you know, continued their credence that they have, um, because, it's one of those studios that we have kind of put on on notice that like, hey, you guys are going down that slippery slope that we've seen some other ones go down and we just don't want you to, you know, fall into that trap of getting comfortable, which I think is one of the things that they have done. And I don't want them to, you know, kind of fall into that trap that like no matter what they do, they can do no wrong. Mm -hmm. So with all that being said, I think, you know, Todd Howard's saying the correct things. He's doing the right stuff to potentially make people believe in them. But, um, you know, we'll see what, what Starfield has to offer because it's one of those games that people are super hyped about, and they should be. Mm -hmm. But we haven't seen very much from it, so we're kind of going into that pretty blind. Mm -hmm. um, and also, we're going into... You know, they're them telling us, oh, Elder Scrolls Six is coming out. And I think it was almost something just to appease people to get them to shut to get. I know myself, you know, especially to shut the hell up like they're sick of hearing us. They're sick of hearing us complain and they want us to kind of, you know, it's like here, take this and and you're going to like it and you'll wait for it. But we know it's what you want at the end of the day. And, you know, eventually you're going to get it and we'll give you this little teaser to kind of wet your whistle and and get you to you know continue believing in us yeah um so i just hope that no matter what above all else that they deliver and in in bethesda fashion i'm sure they will um they're not on that level of of studio where i'm i'm beginning to really second guess their ability mm -hmm. they're still not there yet they're still a long way away from that yet um and i hope it stays that way because i don't want them to be on that list that unfortunately I have like three, four, three studio on. Um, and they're still a long way from being on the same level three, four, three, in my opinion, mm -hmm. we'll see what halo infinite's like. Um, but, uh, you know, they're not a, a blizzard at this point. They're not a, um, EA and you know, they, they have a chance at walking the walk. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, Todd Howard has always talked a big game. He's always done a really good job of talking. It's time for him to walk and, and, you know, show us, uh, show us that they they still have it yeah and and that's what i definitely think they still do um i'm not really worried about that in too much regard but it's definitely one of those like you said i'm just glad to hear it um you know because i didn't think they have so many they have so many different uh What's the word I'm looking for? Something in the kitchen. Not too many cooks in the kitchen, but like... Chefs? Or too, yeah, too many chefs in the kitchen? No, 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 no. I'm saying it in a good way. Like, they're... Uh, they got a lot of, like... They got a lot of different, like, pots going kind of thing. Okay. Like, a lot of different burners going that they have stuff going right now. Where... And Todd even kind of talked about it in the interview, because I listened to it the other day, that, you know, it was really great to hear him kind of talk about, okay, well, as somebody who's an Elder Scrolls fan, like... We have the Elder Scrolls online. While we don't, why we don't directly, but that's the game studios doesn't directly develop that. We work with Zenimax online. We still have a hand in doing it, helping them and whatnot. We still provide support here and there. Like, but it is an Elder Scrolls experience, but it's the online one. So if you want that online experience, that's right there. Where mm -hmm. 
we get to have that and what he even said because i was gonna throw it in button match but i figured it would naturally kind of come up in the conversation here but like he did say like yeah like because fallout 5 was brought up like what's are we eventually going to see that like the since we're now having starfield kind of enter the fold as before it was elder scrolls and fallout elder scrolls and fallout you know and so on and we've kind of broken that a little bit now obviously with 76 coming out and then now starfield um very much him saying like it felt like one of those we've been trying to do this game for years or wanting to do this game for years but we kind of felt like it was now or never kind of thing um because we got you know, more projects that we still want to work on on top of that. And, you know, I'm sure he wants to make this game before he retires kind of thing. Um, but it's, you know, they did say like, yeah, we have a one pager on Fallout, what Fallout 5 is to us and what we want to do with Fallout 5. But that's not going to be for years to come for a while because they got to get Starfield out. And then he's like, after that, Elder Scrolls 6 is our main priority. That is the next one. That is the next game that we're, you know, that is next in our pipeline. So, you know, it's, to me, it's important to hear that. And not that, like I said, I'm, I've said it before, and I'm uh, even earlier in the show, like, I, I don't want developers to feel forced. Hey, I have to work on this one thing. Sure. I want an elder. I wish I could play the Elder Scrolls six right now. I wish we would have had it five years ago, or we would have had it in 2018 or whatever, instead of Fallout 76 personally, like, I wish we would have had that experience already, but at the same time too, I want to see what else they have. I don't want them to be pigeonholed because that then becomes, and Todd even kind of talked about too in the interview, like he was like, it gives us a boost because we're able to put something out and we're in a lucky position that we could put something out, like say, you know, Oblivion. And then we put that out. We're able to step back a little bit and we have fallout. Like we got the fallout license. We were able to buy it and, Hey, Fallout 3, cool. We're going to make Fallout 3 now. Like, we're going to have that experience out. And after working on that for so long, then we're able to back off and say, you know what? We're ready to get back into Elder Scrolls. We're ready. We feel creatively, you know, rejuvenated. Or, you know, we feel refreshed going into that creatively. Okay, cool. Um, So, you know, moving into that. And then, you know, like that, after Fallout 3, going into Skyrim. And then Skyrim to Fallout 4. Like, it just is very natural to have that ability. And now they're like, and he even said, of course, like if I would have looked back on it and said, hmm, you know, like looking back, like, yeah, what I, is it ideal that we've, you know, been this long without being able to get a, you know, would I want to go this long without getting a fallout six? Absolutely not. But, you know, we've also wanted to make Starfield and we also didn't want people to only be focused on, like be forced to focus on that. Like who had other aspirations that, you know, basically saying we don't want to lose those people because they're really talented and they're really great at what they do. And we love working with them that we want them to have options, basically. Like when you work for Bethesda, we want you to be able to fulfill your creative needs in a lot of different aspects. So I'm really happy knowing that, hey, you know, the DNA, we're going to try different things, but our DNA is single player games. Like you're going to get those experiences from Bethesda Game Studios proper. Like you can get online experiences you know, granted, 76 is still very sport, and from what I hear, in a really good state right now. Um, you know, we're they're directly supporting that through Bethesda Game Studios Austin primarily, but you know, in general, if you want online, cool, there's Elder Scrolls Online, you're able to get that, and it's a really great fucking game, and you can get that from Zenimax Online. So 
I'm really glad as somebody who is a diehard Bethesda guy, um, who plays a lot of Bethesda games, who has adored the Elder Scrolls for decades at this point, like, it is great to hear that. It is great to hear, yes, they're committed to single-player experiences. And that's especially, too, like, I'm especially excited about that with Starfield coming up and getting to have that fresh experience, specifically knowing that, hey, while it's totally fine, like, even when I'm thinking social experiences and stuff in games now that are still primarily single-player, like, I think of Death Stranding, that when you're playing that game, you can build things and they'll show up in other people's uh other people's games like you may not have that player to player social element but hey if i'm going across somewhere i can leave a rope there and i could say no this is good for other people to to use and it'll pop up and people can like that or you know they can share that or something like that like you can leave stuff for people to pick up and like little things like that that i feel like that's probably more of a direction they would want to go and if that's the case that's great so it's it's just one of those things that I'm as somebody, you know, and probably selfishly, I'm saying, yes, that's great to hear, but I don't want them to feel, you know, it's important for me to hear as a fan of them. But at the same time, too, I'm glad they're also no, we we have there's a reason why, you know, it sucks that we've wait, had to wait this long. But for Elder Scrolls, but we want to make sure we're not forcing people to do this because that just doesn't work. That doesn't work for anybody because if certain people are forced to do stuff, then they're going to leave or, you know, they're going to, if they're not, they got, and they feel needing to stay there. I'm sure their work isn't going to be that great. And that's only going to reflect, you know, that's only going to reflect that on them, but also it's going to give us the consumer a worse experience. So I'm just really happy that they're saying that. And at the same time too, like I'm just really happy and excited for, you know, just the future of this you know, entity in gaming. I, I I guess I should say, if we're talking developer Bethesda Game Studios for what these IP are doing, especially under Microsoft now. Like, I'm really, really, really excited to see what kind of comes of all this and the support that they're getting from all these different studios now that they're able to kind of pull different tech from if they need to or, you know, being able to just, you know, well, not probably pick up the phone, but get on a Zoom call with somebody and just be like, yo, what's going on with this? You know, or in a Discord call or something with somebody at a different studio within Microsoft's portfolio. So, anywho though, Mike, I'm definitely with you. And with that being said, before we wrap up the show, let's head into Party Chat. So if you're new to the show, Party Chat is where we propose one question at the end of each week's show that we want to discuss. Could be very simple, could be a little more in-depth, could be a little more hard-hitting. But after we answer it ourselves, we kick it over to you, to give your answers to us, whether it be tweet, email, whatever, Twitter at GPGC podcast or email at bonus accessory at gmail.com. And if you're lucky enough, we'll read your response the following week. So last week's question, what is your first Xbox memory in honor of the 20th anniversary? And Jonathan K emailed in saying, getting to play Halo 2 with my older brother the day it released all night and trying not to fall asleep at school the next day. I, I I feel very connected to stories like that, staying up all night and trying to like playing a game or something like that and just trying to keep it together <laughs> the next day. Uh, this week's question, Mike, in honor of Skyrim's 10th anniversary, I know we say, hey, this isn't our favorite game or this or that or, you know, whatever, but it's a game we both do have fond memories playing to a degree and a game that is obviously very important to so many people. In honor of its 10th anniversary, what is your favorite moment from the game? Could be a quest, could be a character, could be a story beat, etc. What do you take away from this game that you look back fondly on? Um, 
I know what you are going to say because you already kind of alluded to it on your Twitter. So I won't steal yours because that is my favorite too. <laughs> um, so, so I'll give second favorite. Okay, I will enough. say it's not an actual experience playing the game. Okay, no. Uh, you know, using the dragon shout, uh, Fusro Da, mm -hmm. to blow people off of mountains. Yes. Like, that's that's top tier. Like, that's funny. Yes. Um, but I will say that the thing that comes to mind for me in particular is uh, I'm going to have to say the donkey video he made about Skyrim. Oh, now, my it's not God. me actually playing it, but like. Oh, no, it could it, be anything around Skyrim. Favorite moment so, involving Skyrim. I'm going to give it the donkey video where he had all those mods yeah. and like Thomas the tank comes down yeah. as a dragon yeah. and starts trying to kill him. And, and you know, that's, that's what I'm going to go ahead and give for, to Skyrim. And it's not because I don't have other fond memories of it because trust me, like Adam can attest and it might be some of the reason why I don't play it. But I mean, I got the collector's edition. I spent the money on it. Yeah. And then me and him spent about, probably 40 hours it was like about 42 hours in like three days mm -hmm. i mean it got greasy yeah, for a yeah. little bit when that game first came out and unfortunately we just didn't have it just didn't have as much replayability of i as i would have liked mm -hmm. um but you know um that's what i think of when i think of um skyrim um as my most fond memory uh, but i am curious to hear what you have to say, good sir. That is, to be fair, that is one of my favorite donkey videos. Now, granted, that's like always the like one of the go-to answers for people are like, oh, what's your favorite donkey video? It's it's usually one of them is always usually the Skyrim one. The <laughs> I love the a, a crab and a top hat. <laughs> that's where I draw the line. Come on, Master Chief. Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Great fucking video. Anyways, though, I, of course, I got to go with. You are the listener. You are the listener. In the fucking, uh, fucking, uh, Cicero. Cicero and, uh, Dark Brotherhood. Or Dark Brotherhood. I knew it was, I, I don't know why I had a fucking brain fart. Um, but yes, Dark Brotherhood and Cicero going just fucking batshit and you just got fucking wax his ass. Like, <laughs> like, it's just so, his character is so obvious from the time you get into the Dark Brotherhood quest line in Skyrim that it's like, okay. This motherfucker is so much more unique than everybody else here. There's clearly going to be a big thing with him that happens in this quest line. Like there you could just tell he is one of those assets within the game. That's like, okay, you were a little more detailed than everyone else. Like whether it be from your personality or just the actual look, but there's more emphasis in this person in this NPC. Clearly he's going to be part of this at some point. And then naturally he does. And you just got to fucking end his ass. Like after just <laughs> you are the listener, you are the listener. Ho, ho, ho. The first time I ever like went through that quest line. Um, it's so funny because me and Adam saved it for not one of the last things we did, but we yeah. did save it because we knew how good the dark brotherhood quest lines are. Yeah. And, uh, we had saved it for so long and it got to the point where I was already pretty high level. And, um, I like the first time I ever killed him, like I did like the spitting attack <laughs> and just cut his head off. Like, <laughs> like literally I didn't even have to like hit him more than one time. I swung one time. It immediately went into that, uh, that animation where you do the spinning attack and cut his head off. Mm -hmm. And that was, uh, that was the first ever time that I killed Cicero. And then, you know, you could uh, manipulate items in that game by holding in like 
right bumper because yeah. we played on Xbox. So I could like pick up his head and like throw it around. So yeah, it was uh, it's pretty cash. Yeah, it, it, that was hands down probably my favorite of that. I feel very confident in saying that was probably my favorite moment of that game. I there were a lot of like I did enjoy. I think out of the three of us, I probably enjoyed that game the most. Um, oh, yeah. Like fondly look back on like oh I, I do enjoy playing that. Um, it just was. I think it was just stuck in. And two, we also like, and I and Todd's even on record now saying like, this is for what we're going to see with Starfield and from Starfield and the Elder Scrolls Six in terms of technology jumps from the tech we're using within the engine. It's our biggest engine overhaul ever, um, you know, since really from Morrowind to Oblivion, and how stark and how much of a jump that was. That this is even greater than that. So, and I think too with when they were making, when they were developing Oblivion because, and it was kind of difficult to develop because they were developing it alongside the tech of the Xbox 360 at the time, like Skyrim just kind of fell at that like weird spot where our ideas are a little bit greater than the 360 at this point. We, at the same time, we're super familiar with this hardware now to develop on, like, but some of the grandiose ideas that we have are a little bit more than the tech that we have here available. So it's like just stuck in that weird kind of odd space. So, but the future is very bright for what's going on with Bethesda right now. So it was, it was basically cyberpunk of its day. Well, no, I wouldn't even know. No, there were never that many. I mean, outside of like, I, I don't think the lot quote unquote lies that Todd Howard said, like, I don't think they were that egregious with, like, because he's not wrong when it's like, oh, Skyrim has infinite quest lines. It's technically true. It's just not that. It, it, and it's lawyer speak. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's not like, like you can't straight up and call him a liar because he right. didn't lie. But it's also the, it's also in the same vein of like just being dishonest and misleading. Right, exactly. And that's what more or less what it's looking like. So. Anywho, though, Mike, regardless of all of that, I think it's about time we wrap up the show because. We're starting to get a little long in the tooth. But anyways, been a great show. Been a great show. Mike, where can people find you on the internet to talk about all the stuff we talked about today? Could be Halo Infinite as natural, um, Bethesda, uh, Forza, anything in general. Where can people find you online to talk about it? If you want to talk Forza, you'll have to talk to Travis and he'll give you his socials. Oi, if you want to talk about if you want to talk about Forza, <laughs> Forza Motorsports. Uh, we're in America. Because <laughs> we're in America. <laughs> Uh, you can feel free to reach out, uh, to me on the, uh, w you know, shout out to Adam Marsh where the bluebird sings <laughs> at T-O-Y-S-X-L-D-I-E-R. That's Toy Soldier and the second O is an X. Or you can find me on Twitch at MP underscore Toy Soldier. You know, the first time he pulled that out was so just fucking smooth. And so Cash like, money. like he, he didn't hesitate and just pulled it right out. And he, but he was, hey, he, he hit it and quit and walked off like Big Poppy after that. That's right. He and that's you know Paul Wall break him off, but um, no, I mean that hasn't been. I seen. mean he had already protect he he had already perfected his craft. What was the point of him right. sticking around? Like some say, they're not sure if he just like died. Like I we haven't seen him in years now because he just said that and logged off after that day and just definitely wasn't in my wedding or anything. Definitely haven't seen him like <laughs> I definitely don't talk to him like multiple times every day almost. It's like uh, Moonlight Graham in Field of Dreams. He has his one at bat, and then he wants to become a doctor again. Right. Exactly. He came on, did his podcast, <laughs> and then he wanted to go on with his life. He's done. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, though, I'm your host, as always, Travis White, a.k.a. Travis, on most internet platforms, including 
at Travelis underscore on Twitter. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S underscore. You can also find me streaming time to time on twitch.tv slash Travelis underscore. Same as Twitter. And if you want to play some games with me over on Xbox Live, you can do so at just regular old Travelis. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S. And this, ladies and gentlemen, has been your newest episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and, of course, PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us, raise, review us, all that jazz wherever you get a podcast at, and follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast to stay up to date with everything we're in the show, video games like in our dope giveaways. And Mike, with that being said, that's going to be it for our show this week. Thank you everyone so much for listening, sharing, and being part of our growing community. Game on, wash your hands, listen to the doctors, Black Lives Matter, and we will see you next week.